So Acts 16, if you got your Bibles. Well, actually, before, before I read that, I want to I preface it with saying this. So this last Wednesday was the Unite service, and we came out of Easter, and we went from Easter to Unite, and it, everything was kind of busy. And as I, was, as I was leaving the church, I was about to get in my car, and I just stopped in here, and I just said, Lord, something's off. I, I don't know. I, I don't... You know, some of y'all are comparing me to my grandfather who's been doing it for 40 years. And this is my second month lead pastoring. And I said, I haven't been doing this long, Lord, but I know this. I know you and I know what it's like to be walking with you. And I know when the church is in a good spot and I know when the church is in a bad spot. And I don't want you to think we're in a bad spot, okay? We're in a good spot. I was telling Brother Moore how happy I am to be a part of this church and God allowed me to be here. It's a great church, but something wasn't right. And I was standing there, and all these thoughts go through your head. You know, and when you're younger like me, you're like, well, all the older people, they don't like a younger pastor, and maybe they don't like me, and maybe that's the problem, and hopefully I can win their heart over and tell them that I'm in love with everybody of all ages. But So you just being normal, you start rotating through the list. What's the disconnect? And the Lord spoke to me, as clear as I'm talking to you, and he said, the spirit of Python is on your church. And I said, huh. And I almost, when I got home, I almost couldn't talk to Bethany about it because as soon as I heard it, I knew what he was saying because when I was about 18 years old, I went and heard a preacher preach this sermon called the spirit of Python. And I knew exactly what it was and I knew exactly what he meant And I'm not going to preach you his sermon. I'm going to preach you part of it because it's in the scripture. And I'm going to give it to you as God gave me. But we're going to defeat as a church the spirit of Python. Amen. Amen. Acts 16, 13 through 18. And it says, On the Sabbath we went out of the city to a riverside where prayer was customarily offered. I want you to see that. Prayer was part of their everyday life. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had assembled. A woman named Lydia, seller of purples, uh, of fabric of the city of Thyatira, who worshiped God, heard us. The Lord opened her heart to acknowledge what Paul said. When she and her household were baptized, she entreated us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and remain there. And she persuaded us. On one occasion, look at this again. I want you to catch this part. As we went to the place of prayer, a servant girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. So she followed Paul and us shouting. What was she shouting? Look at this. These men are servant of the Most High God who proclaimed to us the way of salvation. She did this for many days, but became greatly troubled. Paul turned to the spirit and said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her at that moment. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We pray your blessing on your word. We pray for your anointing. We thank you for all that you've given us. And we thank you for all you've done, God. We just pray that you would break the spirit of Python today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you read Acts 16, 16, it says that there was a damsel with the spirit of divination. 
If you look at that word in the Greek, the real translation there would be the spirit of Python. And I want you to see something. They were in a state of revival. Do you know why that a spirit would attack our church? Because we're hungry for God. Because we want to do things for God. When God spoke that to me, there was no rebuke. There was no, y'all are doing a bad job. It was telling me, hey, there's an attack on you. The word of God is full of, be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, he is roaming around trying to destroy you. Well, this is one of the few times in the Bible that actually doesn't say they were bothered by a spirit or a demonic presence. It actually names the demon, the demon of Python. Now, pythons are totally different than normal snakes. They don't bite or kill with their venom. They don't come at you. They usually sneak up on you. A lot of times they lay in trees, and as something passes under there, they actually fall on them, and they don't kill them except for suffocation. They're after the breath. They are after the breath. And we know that the word pneuma in the Bible is spirit, and it's translated breath. The devil doesn't care if we come to church. He doesn't care if we look the part. Because a lot of times, you'll see in Africa and places, cows that will be laying dead. And they look perfectly fine. And what you've realized is, is that python couldn't swallow it and it left it alone. But it wrapped around it. And every time it breathed out, it tightened. And it would breathe out and it tightened. And it breathed out and it tightened down. Till it finally had no breath left. But it kept its form. And if we're not careful... We will walk around as a church saying we believe in the power of God. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And there will be a form in us, but the breath of God will be off our life. And that fire. See, I was thinking this week that we used to talk about the anointing. We didn't just talk about anoint the worship and anoint the preacher. We talked about, God, we want the anointing of the Holy Spirit in our everyday life. Anoint us to pray. Anoint us to read. Anoint us, God. We want your power to do what you called us to do. Acts 1.8, and you receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be witnesses. There's an empowering of the Holy Spirit to live our lives. If we're not careful, we will keep our form Listen, it's so easy to do. Python will begin to wrap around. And you know what? The more the animal struggles, the tighter he gets. There are people sitting in here today. You had no idea that you were serving God. You were going to prayer. You were trying to do things faithfully. And all of a sudden, you just feel burned out. You feel like, look, when Python comes in your life, he straps them hands down. And all of a sudden, your worship's not what it used to be. When Python's in your life, instead of I get to go to the house of God, or I'm glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord, now the house of the Lord is a burden. Oh, Python's sneaky. He wants that love, that love that you once had. That's why David had to pray, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Let me fall back in love with you. Because all of a sudden, let me say this, and next week, I'm going to preach on the dangers of comparison. But there's a lot of people that the devil gets them to compare themselves, and they struggle and he gets them tighter and tighter. Well, you should be farther along. Well, look at so-and-so, how much they read and how much they pray. And you start comparing yourself and you start panicking. And the more you panic and the more you compare, listen to me, the Bible's clear, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You don't look at each other. Because most of the people that look like they got it together the most, y'all know, 
he'll get you comparing and he'll get you wrapped up. Look, this girl was even saying, these are the servants of the Most High God. He'll get you so dead spiritually that all you do is act religious now. How many times have we heard sermons and we just want to stop and say, okay, I need to stop. Time out. I'm not comparing. My Bible reading is not where it needs to be. Now, if you look at that and the python comes and tells you, well, you better try harder. You keep trying harder and he's going to keep slithering. It's not by might or power. It's by the Spirit, says the Lord. Listen, I'm telling you, I wrote down seven things to let you know that python is attacking you. But it's pretty simple. When you lose your fire for prayer and you lose your love for the loss, your motivation fades. Your emotion is numbness. You no longer feel highs and lows. People drain you. Little things make you disproportionately angry. You become cynical. Now, I know that's nobody in here, but I'm going to keep reading for the people that listen online. I, I, I really believe that in the church, we think that a cynical spirit is just a discerning spirit. And that's a lie. If you're cynical and you're critical, you need to get the breath of God back in your life. It's, I'm talking to myself and I'm talking to everybody in here. When Python begins to take that fire from you and you begin to lose the ministry, that's why I get scared when I hear preachers say, this is my ministry. I'm like, man, if it's yours, good luck with it. It's going to burn because you're human and your efforts will eventually hit the wall. It's his ministry. And if it's his ministry, then you understand that it's his anointing that comes and gives you the supernatural ability to be that. But listen, when we talk about anointing, and I'll get back to that list, I, I want you to understand something. It's in the New Testament. First John tells you that you as a believer have an anointing. There is an anointing. What does that mean? Just like Aaron poured the oil, there is a supernatural power of the Holy Spirit that comes on the believer that enables him and empowers him to live like Jesus Christ in this present world. And you know what's happened? We've started preaching all the things you should look like and you should do and you should be as Christians. And then we forgot the part about it takes the anointing. So the believers have stopped asking God for the anointing. And the devil's like, this is great. They're sincere. They love God. I'll choke them to death. I'll get them trying so hard to pray. and trying. Remember when you first got saved? You didn't have to try to pray. It was natural. The anointing was there. You had been into the baptism of the blood of Jesus Christ. People talk about there's two baptisms, a baptism in water and baptism in the Holy Spirit, and they have no idea what they're talking about. There's three baptisms. There's three that bear earth in heaven. And there's three that bear witness on the earth. The first baptism is where the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians, and your heart is submitted and plunged through the blood of Jesus who washes us all away. Then the second baptism is in water where the old man goes down in the grave and the new man comes alive. And then a lot of churches don't want to talk about the third baptism, but that's where you are completely submerged. It's not really the baptism of, they're like, are you baptized in the Holy Ghost? Really, Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Ghost. You can say it any way you want to, it's semantics. 
But really, it means that your whole body has been submerged into the very spirit of God. And he has completely has possession of your life in every way. Fruits grow through that. Gifts grow through that. That's why Python's on a lot of churches. And all he wants is the power of the Holy Spirit out. In the Old Testament, there's a story about a guy that's working for God with Elisha. And they're expanding and they're growing. Listen, evangel's expanding and growing. I can feel it. And it says, as he's chopping trees to make room for the school of prophets, the axe head falls off into the water. Now, he goes back to the man of God and says, that axe head is off. A lot of Christians, instead of going back to Jesus and saying, I've lost my edge. It's really wasn't yours, but you know what I'm saying. I've lost the tenacity for souls. I've lost the tenacity for church. You might be in a ministry and you're like, you know, what's the point in me just sitting back in the back with the kids because all these other people don't go back in the nursery? That is comparison and that is the devil. When you love him, you don't have to prod people that love him to serve in his house. So what you need to get instead of, well, I probably should do more, is you need to go back to the Lord and say, I've lost my axe head, and I'm just hitting a stick with a stick. You know how stupid and foolish you would look if you just stood trying to chop down a tree with a baseball bat? No. you got to get the axe head back. you got to get the power back in your life. Yeah, you know that you're not praying like you shouldn't. Yeah, you know that you're not where you should be. Tell him. Go back to him. Get the anointing back. We have not because we ask not. And if you try to get it back, and you try to make church what it's not supposed to be, you're going to get broken, and you're going to be a shell. Maybe you've lost your love for people. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, wow, this list is me. My motivation is faded. You ever been there? He's got you. He's wrapping around you. My emotion is numb. I don't feel for people like I used to feel. Now, y'all look like y'all got halos glowing about right here. Maybe I should need to call Red and tell him it was for his church today. People drain you. The Bible talks about giving to hospitality. People drain you. We're in the people business. And then the Python comparison. I'm telling you, I'm going to get it next Sunday. Some of y'all ain't going to show up because you know you're guilty. That's okay. Well, you know, if more people would help you with people, you wouldn't feel that pull. Comparison, looking at everybody else. No, 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 deal with you. When you're saved, you don't have to tell people, hey, somebody's hurting. When you're fresh, people don't wear you down. Little things make you disproportionately angry. Pythons in the house. You ever been fighting as a couple? And I know none of y'all do. And you realize that you're like, how did this small thing get to this? Like, how did we get here? 
I mean, me and Bethany, of course, we've never done that before. So I've read that in books. Python's after your marriage. The anointing is a part of your marriage. Listen, if you don't believe that's the truth, look at the divorce rate in the church. He is after families. He wants to come in and choke out every bit of anointing from a family. that re- God's first institution he established was the family. And Satan wants to expose it and destroy it. You know when most people realize Python's got their marriage? When it's too late. They don't recognize it. When there's anger and tension all the time. We could talk for hours on how you can let the devil in your house. Men, listen to me. Every man, listen to me. It is your job to be the spiritual priest of your house. It is not the spiritual job of the wife that we've almost all men now have just said our wives will be our spiritual leaders. That is garbage from hell. Men are the spiritual priests of their household. When the enemy comes into a man's house, it is the man's job to deal with that devil. Amen. Amen. Thank God two people feel that way. When Adam and Eve, when God showed up in Genesis to talk to them about the fruit, he did not ask Eve one time, where are you, Eve? He asked Adam, where are you, Adam? Because he gave Adam dominion over that garden. It was Adam's responsibility. Now, can your wife pray and wear yoke together? Yes, women are such a vital part. Yes, they are. But I'm telling you, our generation has almost said, well, the women are the spiritual, and we're going to do our hobbies and do our things, and we're going to kind of leave it to that. And that's why the devil is destroying homes. Because men need to be challenged. And hey, you are the spiritual priest. You've been given your family by God. When the devil walks in your house, it's your job to take the word of God and cut his head off. Well, thank God my wife prays. I hate to tell you, pal, she's not going to be standing there with you on judgment day. That's not in my notes, and I feel that. I'm serious. That's why there was this great movement called Promise Keepers. And look, the devil destroyed it like he does every movement. All these men felt challenged again. If you've ever read Tony Evans' Kingdom Man, if you haven't read Kingdom Man, I will buy you a copy. He talks about what it should be like to be a kingdom-minded man. I'm telling you all, this ain't in my notes, but I feel this. It's time the men rise up and be men. Amen. Here's my next one. You're becoming cynical. You ever been there? Have you ever thought that your cynical is a spiritual attack? I think some of us have embraced it as our personality. So we don't deal with it. Well, I'm just critical and I just say whatever I think. I thought when the spirit comes in, there's fruits. I thought it was gentleness and long-suffering and peace and goodness and kindness. Self-control. What a fruit. No. If you're becoming cynical, you need to be baptized again in the love of God. He's crushing you. When you try to do everything you can, 
in your life and you try and try and squirm, he's just going to choke it out. And you're going to be cynical of everybody. I've been there. You know why I asked God Wednesday night? What was wrong? Because for about two weeks, all I've seen, I felt like something was in my ear telling me everything wrong with evangel and not everything right with evangel. Maybe this, maybe this sermon is not for anybody but me. But I got to still obey God. And I kept hearing for two weeks this just nasty stuff. I would see every fault. I hate to tell you every church you go to is going to have people in it and it's going to have problems. And guess what? The pastors that I sit down and talk to of the bigger churches have bigger problems. You think, well, I'll just go to a mega church and sit the pew. You have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. The battles they fought. And I began to hear that voice. And when the Lord spoke to me, I instantly knew that I was under attack. But listen, when Paul and Silas go into prayer, when they fought that spirit, the greatest thing ever was on the verge for them. Do you know what happens a few chapters later? They're beaten. They're locked in prison. You say, I thought that was bad. No, no, no. They begin to sing praises, right? They begin to, you ever heard about God loosening them from the jail cell? That happened right after Python met them. There was a great supernatural power that came on the church when Python came. And I'm telling you as a church, if we will recognize this attack from the devil... And we will call it the devil and not flesh and blood in our lives. And we will get our breath, the Spirit of God, back in our lives. We will begin to see supernatural things happen. Look at, I've got two more verses, John 20 um, and 22. Jesus says, this was Jesus, when he said, when he had said this, this is talking to the disciples, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. You see the breath? And you see the Holy Spirit right there. Now, Ezekiel 37, 1 through 9. He says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he carried me in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of a valley which was full of bones. And he caused me to pass among them all around, and they were um, very many in the open valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. And he said to me, prophesy over these bones and saying to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And thus saith the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and I will grow back, uh, grow back the flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you so that you live. Then shall you know I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise and a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. Now, keep that up. You can go back to eight. It says that there was a shaking, and there was noise. Now, if you're not careful, we will become a Pentecostal church where we talk about noise and not breath. We talk about a good shout and everybody's happy, happy, happy. And there's a bunch of noise. 
But at the end of the day, we have a form of godliness, he calls it, but not the power thereof. Noise does not necessarily mean God. That's why I have a lot of friends that hear about Pentecostal churches and they feel weird about it. Not because there was, they were, I have to tell them, people mess up sometimes. Because people have made the mistake to think that noise is Pentecost. Can it be? Sure. But there's a place where you get dry out there and you try to come in here and work something up. It doesn't work. You look just like that army, a lot of breath. You look like a Christian. You act like a Christian. You talk like a Christian. But the power of the Holy Spirit is not prevalent in your life. Verse 9. Or 8, I'm sorry. Then he said to me, Then when I looked and the sinews and the flesh grew upon them, and the skin covered them, but there was no breath. They looked apart. 9. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the wind. And that word right there for wind is what I said was pneuma. And it's the same word for breath, wind. Isn't it funny on the day of Pentecost when they're all together and they're all in one accord? Maybe we beat Python with unity. As a rushing mighty wind, the Holy Spirit fell. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four corners of the wind, O breath, and breathe upon these slain so they may live. Did I give you verse 10? And then verse 10, I didn't know, I didn't give it to her. It says exactly that happened. The breath of God came and the Spirit of God came on them. And it says, and they became a live, vast army. If we in the body of Christ will get the breath back in our life and the Holy Spirit will come back in our hearts, we will become a live, vast army. I want to say a couple more things and then I'm going to close. I put one down. It says, you don't laugh anymore. Sleep and time off no longer refuel you. Oh, this is one. You self-medicate. Now, I know nobody wants me to open that can of worms, so I'm going to leave it alone. Y'all know what I mean. When you have to medicate to handle your day-to-days, Notice the word self-medicate, not physician. There's a problem. When you begin to feel that dryness, that's why I brought God begin to lay on my heart Ezekiel 37. Those bones were dry. I see people come in the church all the time, and they're dry, and they're looking for somebody to be Jesus and the Holy Spirit to them. We can't be. I cannot restore your soul. I I wish I could. I can't do it. There has to be a place where you get tired of the devil defeat like destroying your life and you've got to go after Python. And how do you go after him? Paul and Silas taught you that no matter how hard it is or no matter how bad it is, you begin at midnight, which means it's the darkest time. You begin to sing praises to God. You begin to magnify the Lord. And the more you begin to call out to Him, the more the Spirit of the God would begin to fill your life. And as God fills our life, you begin to kill Python instead of Python killing you. Instead of being critical and cynical, you begin to magnify the Lord. Let us exalt His name forever. I don't care how bad it is. See, that's what else I put in the notes. He begins to steal a thankful heart. Yeah. 
He begins to criticize and show you what you don't have, what you should have. And you begin to complain and murmur. And he just wraps and wraps and wraps and wraps instead of just magnifying the Lord. Putting that magnifying glass on God and saying he is bigger than anything we face. He's bigger. He's greater. We love him and begin to get the worship back. I see people in church go under the attack. They reach out to Facebook. They reach out to everywhere. But the one that can feel them. Lift up your hands. I don't feel like it. Who cares? I'm not into all that hand lifting. Don't go to heaven. Don't go there. Old Testament, David said, I will lift my hands in the sanctuary. New Testament, let us lift up holy hands without fear and doubt. Lift them up. Get them up to him. You know what? If a little toddler's in the yard and that big old dog comes running in, that toddler runs straight to mommy or daddy. Boom, them hands go up. Help me, lift me up. That's what you're doing. You're saying, you're the only one that can help me. You're the only one, the reason I can make it. It's only you, God. It's only you, God. I'm going through a battle. Worship. I'm going through a battle. Praise him. So you don't know what I'm going through. Man, these guys were beaten. They weren't put in jail. They were put in the inner prison. I'll let you go figure out what happened down there. All the waste from the prison went to the inner prison. They were in fecal matters. They were in all kind of things. And they were sitting there and they were, they had every reason to have a pity party. I'm so glad God didn't let me walk through that. Lord, I just led somebody to you. Their whole house got saved. And now I'm beaten and in filth. You don't think Python came to Paul and said, does he really love you? Some of you sitting today, he has given you the perfect sob story how you shouldn't be victorious and how your life is terrible. I'm telling you, some of you, God, this week speaking to me, your comparison has killed you. Comparison has absolutely destroyed your life. You've compared yourself with everybody and you're destroyed. You can't have peace with comparison in your heart. Think about solace. Maybe y'all don't think about stuff like this. But I'm like, if I was solace, it was Paul and Barnabas. And when, when they split, Paul picked me. I was like, Lord, why'd he pick me? <laughs> like, I'm in a dungeon now. I'm beat. This don't make much sense. They didn't do any of that. They recognized that spirit that was on that girl was still alive and well. By the way, those spirits don't die. They live forever. That spirit of Python is alive and well today. And the only way you can beat him is choosing to worship. you got to choose to praise you got to ask for what Ezekiel 37. God, I need the Holy Spirit to fill me again. I see people get saved, and about the one-year, one-and-a-half, two-year mark, I remind them, the news is going to wear off of it. You better keep it refreshed. You better keep your first love excited. You can't get into coast mode with God. There's no coast mode. There's only climb, 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 climb. We go from glory to glory. Most of us would like just a nice plateaued place till heaven comes. 
I found out when we sit at the plateau place, we go backwards. How do you get up there? You let the Holy Spirit give you breath again. You let him restore the joy of coming to church. I learned a lot of things from my grandfather, but one of the best things I've ever learned from him is he don't beg people to come to the altar because he said, I'll have to beg them to live right the rest of their life. That's good wisdom. I've heard preachers say, I'm going to sing one more time. I'm going to beg you to come down. One more verse. One more verse. One more verse. Everybody in the audience is thinking about chicken and getting out of there. <laughs> if they hadn't moved by then, they're not, they haven't decided. That's why Jesus looked at the rich young ruler and was like, hey, just sell everything and follow me. Come on, i got a great call for you. He walked away. Jesus didn't turn around and be like, okay, here's what we'll do. We'll let you give some of your things, and I'll compromise. That's the American church, by the way, right now. As long as you come and pay your tithes, I don't really care how you live or what you do. I got to stand before God. I lay in my bed some night at 3 in the morning and stare at the ceiling, and I think, oh, God, I want to make sure I'm going to make it. But, oh, God, I want to make sure everybody that's an evangel is going to make it. When that trumpet sounds, everybody playing games is not going to hear it. There's five wise and there's five foolish virgins. And the word virgin means exactly that, pure. They're going to be churched. I'm like, God, please don't let anybody at evangel that once knew you lose their breath and lose the race and pick up religion. Y'all should be so happy that I didn't go where I wanted to go with this message. Because I could have talked about all the ministries that need people's help. I ain't talking about all that. Get, get your heart right, you'll fall right into place. You'll serve. You know how you'll serve? You'll serve the Lord with gladness. I thank God for our women that serve back here. That's a ministry that I'm so thankful I'm not called to. But I'll tell you this, my dad's sitting in the audience. When I found the Lord and he saved me, I did anything at my church. I remember one of the first work days, they had me on top of a 30-foot ceiling cleaning out this widow's gutters. And I was sent like, just like, not, there, there was no ropes on me. And I was like, Lord, I said I would do anything for you. I don't know if we're not crossing some kind of line of the agreement right here. <laughs> but I just remember nobody had to ask me to set up chairs or tables. Man, he found me. And I loved him. I wanted to work for him. People say, well, you, don't, you get paid now. Yeah, but what about the years we came where we couldn't pay anybody? And me and my granddad served here faithfully with no money. With offers to go to other churches with money. No, it's about him. It's about his heart. It's about serving him. It's about being in love with him and having fresh breath again. Listen, I've prayed for so many people in my life. And I felt the power of God bond python off their life and they go right back out that door and let him wrap right back around them 
When God starts to deal with you about things, He is not dealing with you because He's cruel. He's dealing with you because He's good. And He's letting you know there are things that will open the door in your life. Comparison is one. Some of you need to destroy your social media, your Pinterest, your all your little comparison tools about what you don't have and what you should have and all that. Some people handle it fine. Some people, it disrupts them. You know, the Bible actually says you rejoice with those that rejoice. Python will take that from you. Let somebody get a promotion that you thought you should have. Python will wrap up on you. I've seen people have not have the families other people have, and they start comparing, I wish my family was this. Listen, you can't go backwards. I wish everybody that came through that I know had a good past with their family. Sometimes you don't. And the devil will keep you looking at what you should have had in your childhood, and he's destroying your future and making a family now. We'll get it next Sunday. I got, I'm tired of watching the devil ravish people of their joy. That's when I knew something was wrong, Brother Crowder. This Wednesday night, when I put my Bible down and I was sitting here, I was like, something's wrong. There's no joy in my heart. I'm not excited about serving the Lord here. I was like, something's off. And I realized we want to do something for God. We've encountered a snake. And the way we're going to beat him is worship. We're going to praise we're going to magnify him. Amen? Everybody stand. 20 minutes till 12. Y'all should have shouted for joy. Maybe you're in here today. I'll be honest with you. Most of the time, I used to tell people, a lot of times our decision... Our decisions kind of make where we are. And they do. They, that's true. But what God was showing me about this is there are some people here today that the devil's even telling you because you hadn't done everything right while you're in the battle. That's not it at all. You're in the battle because you decided to serve the Lord and you're under attack. And, and I'm telling you, we need the breath of God in our lives. Did you notice I didn't just pick, like I didn't just make this list up. I didn't make these verses up. God was showing them in the Old Testament that he wanted to put the spirit of God in our life that we could live for him in freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's what? Liberty, freedom. And man, I feel his liberty in here, but out there I'm dead. That's because you need to get Python off you. Be careful where you go. He'll drop out of the trees on you. Be careful when you start to hear cynical, critical things of discouragement. So Paul had to write and say, hey, 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 don't grow weary in well-doing. Hey, whoa, time out. Why did he write that? Because he grew weary in well-doing. 
You think Paul woke up as a human being every day and said, all right, I get to go get beat again. You, don't, you think just because he walked with God, he didn't have arthritis from them banking stones off of him till they killed him? No, he walked in total victory. I don't even know where to go with that. No, he was a human. And he had to write, don't grow weary in it. Don't grow weary in it. Don't, don't think that church attendance is optional and work out your own soul salvation without fear and trembling. Don't think that time you're not praying is an option. It's part of the breath. If you can't do it on your own, good, acknowledge it and get the anointing back. I feel like telling some people sometimes, you know, you can actually come to church sometimes and you can actually be happy to be there. You don't know what all I got going on. I, come with me this week. I look at my Google calendar. I'm like, Lord, how am I going to get every one of these things in? He'll make a way. He'll restore our soul. I want you happy to come to church. I want you to happy to read your Bible. I want you happy to pray. I don't know where you're getting all this happy stuff Matthew 5 6 and 7 you read it as it says blessed is he who does this that word is mistranslated about as bad as you can when you break it down Jesus looked at them and said happy is the man filled with satisfaction is the man that does this and does this they were listening we translate it as blessed which is yeah it's real spiritual but it doesn't apply to us no happy he wants you to be happy again. He wants you to laugh. I read on that list. I look back at a place in my life. I got so burned out in church. I couldn't think about the last time I laughed. It was all so serious. Happy to come here. Happy to meet people. Man, people just have so much problems. Yeah, but when you're filled with him, they don't wear you out. You get charged up by it. Amen.